Hey, if you're a guest with us today, a special welcome to you. It can be weird going to a church for the first time. Where are the bathrooms? Do I stand up? Do I sit down? Are these people weird? And uh, most of us are pretty normal, and we want to welcome you and make you feel very much at home. There are many great Bible-believing churches in Fort Collins and northern Colorado. You chose to be here with us today, so thank you for that. We would love to connect with you, and there's a connection card in your seat back, and there's an opportunity there for you to find out more information about the church we will not be coming over to harass you but we can send you information so pop that card in the offering plate at the end of the service if you'd like to know more generally the bulletin is a great place to look we have tables in the mall to tell us more about things that are happening at timberline and of course our website is always a great place for information as well And in a very, just a few weeks, we're going to be starting a brand new sermon series. It's called The Facts of Life. And it's based around a neglected and misunderstood book of the Bible, the book of Ecclesiastes. And uh, if you want to get the best out of those weekends, don't just do the weekend thing, because we have small groups starting on the 25th of September. And uh, the teaching team, we've been out shooting some videos for those small groups. How many of you will know that there was much fun and naughtiness? that took place. Well, if you want to get involved with the small groups, and I encourage you to do that, and maybe you never do, well, break the habit of a lifetime. Tonight, between five and six, right here, there's an opportunity to come and sign up for the groups. The group leaders will be here. There'll be a snack. It will be fun, and it will be quick. So please uh, sign up for that. I know that you will uh, benefit greatly. We know because of looking back in our prayer just earlier that this weekend we reflect back to 10 years ago and we felt that it was appropriate not only to pray but also to uh, express appreciation for the first responders who are here among us, many of whom serve faithfully and yet often don't get any thanks. Uh, And so in a moment, I'd like you to stand if you are someone in law enforcement, you're a firefighter, you're involved in emergency medical services, uh, EMT, paramedic, a medic, search and rescue, medical personnel, doctors, nurses, any form of first responder, we want to say thank you to you. So if you are one of those, would you stand right now, please, so that we might honor you and appreciate you. know each one of you that that is heartfelt because when we're in trouble you're the first people that are there for us and we we thank you well we are concluding this uh, series that we've been uh, in the fit for the journey series how many of you have been here for every one of those sermons and therefore possibly qualify for the new car just raise your hand (laughs) if that is true see pass the dowry for the keys that'll be great Well, we're concluding this sermon series thinking about intentional vulnerability this weekend. Intentional vulnerability. And I want to read a few verses from Matthew 26 uh, as we look at this subject together. Matthew 26 and verse 30. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. 
Verse 36, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here. Keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Uh, it's been a few weeks since I've seen you, and since uh, we last met, I've um, celebrated another year of age. I've had a birthday. You know, it is really, it's really tough turning 30, isn't it? It's quite a, it's quite a junction to navigate. I know that because it happened 25 years ago. And I am discovering, anyone else found this out, that as you get older, there are some people who love to remind you of the fact that you are getting older. A lady uh, came to me and uh, she said, you're looking slim and trim. I said, oh, thank you very much. That's nice. She said, yeah. She said, I love it when older people take care of themselves. <laughs> uh, I was in a store in California. I won't, I won't tell you which one in case you work for Ross Dress for Less. And I was... Uh, I was taking my $50 shirt reduced to 49 cents, you know the way that works. And I went up to the cashier and the, this lovely lady, she looked at me, she said, Sir, would you like to take advantage of our Over 60s Wednesday program? I was out with my wife and uh, we were at a conference just a few days ago and, and I was speaking to these worship leaders and suddenly my wife, they'd not met her, she walked in and this worship leader looked at me, looked at her and he, and he said to me, you did well. <laughs> Bless your heart. <laughs> Off you go forever. <laughs> See the thing is really, they were just telling me the truth. I look old. I, I, I get that. I've had a rough life. But sometimes the truth is hard to take, as any woman knows who has asked the immortal question, does my rear end look big in this? <laughs> and we're thinking about truth-telling this morning as we think about intentional vulnerability. Let's think about our title for a few moments. First of all, the word vulnerable. It's an unusual word, normally associated with being attacked or harmed, and if you listed out people's ambitions, they don't normally say, I want to be vulnerable. Uh, it comes from the 17th century uh, Latin word, vulnere, which means to wound. And some of us think of vulnerability as being a negative thing. We've been raised to act strong even if we don't feel strong. We see vulnerability as weakness, particularly some of us men. But we've got to know that the Bible takes a completely different view of vulnerability, showing us that strength can come from showing our vulnerabilities, 
that vulnerability actually brings healing and is stunningly refreshing in a world preoccupied with image projection and success. And so the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 11 remarkably says, I boast about my weaknesses, my vulnerabilities. So let's reclaim the word vulnerable as a positive thing. Secondly, the word intentional. We're talking about being intentional in our vulnerability, being determined, deciding about it. This week, uh, I've been reading a fascinating book by Malcolm Gladwell. It's called Outliers. Outliers, it's it's a strange word. It refers to those who are different from the main body of people. There's something remarkable about them. And in this book, Gladwell is asking the question, what does it take to excel in sports, in music, in the arts? What does it really take? And he studied successful people around the world in many different fields. And he came to the conclusion that on average, it takes 10,000 hours of practice in order to become an outlier. You see, that's about living intentionally. And I discover about me that I get into trouble when I wake up in the morning and I don't do life intentionally, when I just cruise into it. That's when I open my mouth and say the wrong thing. That's when I have the extra slice of pizza. That's when I don't bother to pray. That's when I say nah to the exercise program because I'm not living intentionally. The Bible is full of exhortations that we live intentionally. It doesn't use that word. It uses the word watchfulness. Live intentionally. And this weekend we remember that over 300 of New York's finest went into crumbling buildings and didn't come out again. But they intentionally did that. They made a decision which we honour today. Intentional vulnerability. God wants us to be in that place, and our example for this is Jesus. He knew that he was a dead man walking, figuratively speaking, as he headed towards Gethsemane. And there was an amazing sense of trust in his father. We read, didn't we, that after he shared a meal with his friends, they sang a hymn. Wouldn't it be incredible if we could know what worship song they sang that dark night? We do know, 99% for certain, it's the Passover meals, so they would have sung the Hallel hymn, which is Psalm 113 through Psalm 118. So we are pretty certain that we know the words that Jesus said as he walked towards his own execution. Here are some of them. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. In my anguish I cried to the Lord, and he answered by setting me free. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. I will not die but live. And will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. Look at this. This is the day the Lord has made. 
Let us rejoice and be glad in it. O Lord, save us. O Lord, grant us success. You are my God and I will give you thanks. You are my God and I will exhort you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. And with that, Jesus headed towards Gethsemane. We've got to know that even with all of that trust, he didn't just march there robotically and woodenly. But having affirmed his trust in the Father, it's now 10 or 11 o'clock at night. They're in Gethsemane, him and his friends. Judas is off elsewhere, pursuing his insidious act of betrayal. And now, Jesus intentionally makes himself vulnerable to his friends. So what can we learn? Some of you are looking at your bulletin and you're kind of traumatized right now because you're seeing that there are six points and we haven't got to the first one yet. <laughs> Fear not, little flock. All is well. I shall be brief. First thing, vulnerability is vital when we see trouble ahead. Vulnerability is vital when we see trouble ahead. Verse 36, Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane and said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. Gethsemane was probably an olive orchard. Gethsemane, the word, means oil pressed. Oil would be squeezed out of the uh, olives under pressure. Interestingly, Luke, in his account, speaks of the pressure upon Jesus. And he sweats like great drops of blood. Jesus is in the, in the wine press of pressure here. And Gethsemane, I, I, I've been there. It's located across the Kidron Valley, about a thousand yards from uh, the eastern walls of Jerusalem on the lower slopes of the Mount of Olives. It's almost as if Gethsemane is the place where it all comes into focus and Jesus sees the trouble. He looks down on Jerusalem like a, like a condemned man who led across a corridor in death row, catches a glimpse of the clinical terror of the execution chamber. So Jesus sees now what is ahead. This is a place of pain. It's also a place of mystery because make no mistake, he prays that this cup, more about that later, will pass from him. That he will not have to go through this hideous thing. And you might think that prayer, we might think that prayer wasn't answered. Hebrews 5.7 says, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Hold on right there. What do you mean he was heard? He died. Well, a couple of things. First of all, we need to understand that because God hears us doesn't always mean that he says yes. And secondly, we need to understand that God sometimes answers our prayers in ways that we don't expect. So Jesus was delivered from death, but he had to go through it first. And he is suffering. Listen, folks. Don't wait until Gethsemane comes. And I have a promise which is ominous. The promise is that at some point in all of our lives, we will pass through Gethsemane. Don't wait until Gethsemane comes to figure out if you've got people who you can 
share that trouble with. Jesus had invested three years into his friends and now they were with him. Secondly, vulnerability is shared with trusted companions. Vulnerability is shared with trusted companions. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, along with him and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. By the way, there's a pattern here. There were times when Jesus didn't want the twelve disciples around him. He just wanted the three. The raising of a dead girl. Everybody else is sent outside. The three are there with him. The Mount of Transfiguration. The three are there with him. Gethsemane. The three are there with him. You see, there are some things that we really can only share with a trusted inner circle. Don't be vulnerable with everyone. The truth is, we can't be. You've come in here today and, and, and we have close encounters of a timberline kind, don't we? As we walk down the hall, hey, how you doing? Fine, how you doing? Great, God bless you. Fine, great weather. Yeah, God bless. Now, that's not, there's nothing wrong with that because think, think how awful it would be is if every time you said to someone, how you doing, they stopped and told you. And I'm not going to share my x-ray charts with everybody because they don't want to know. But there are some people, trusted companions, as we form different levels of friendship that we can trust. It will still involve a risk. Vulnerability implies risk. And this was risky for Jesus because this is his parting shot. You would think that there would have been a pep rally in Gethsemane. It's alright guys, we're going to get through this. I'm going to be raised again. No, no, he's sorrowful and troubled. Scott Peck says there can be no vulnerability without risk. There can be no community without vulnerability. There can be no peace and ultimately no life without community. Is there a secret? Is there a secret that needs to be shared with a trusted companion? Thirdly, vulnerability means being honest about our struggles. Being honest about our struggles. He said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. You know the most literal translation of this? I am sick to death. One translator says terrible distress and misery. Another one says crushed with anguish. Jesus tells his friends the truth. He gives himself fully to us in his death. And he gives himself fully to them in his life. You know sometimes Christians are reluctant to be honest. Because we're worried about how it will look. Every now and again I, as a preacher I, I get into trouble because I... Talk about stuff like doubt. You know, every now and again, occasionally, some of us doubt and we struggle and we're, we're nervous about saying anything about it because people might think we are just, just not good Christians. And I want, I want to talk about that stuff because we all go through it. One day, we're going to see Jesus face to face. And we won't have any doubts then. In the meantime, we don't see him face to face. And so, doubt is a possibility, maybe even a probability. Let's talk about it. If you occasionally doubt, it doesn't make you a bad Christian. It just means you don't actually happen to be dead yet. So get over it. <laughs> but we need to be more honest. Ben Quash says the Christian life must stand against all forms of one-way looking. All forms of hiddenness and denial. Our calling is not to withhold our presence from those around us. Our calling as imitators of Jesus is to bestow ourselves. 
To seek ever new ways of being fully more present to our brothers and sisters and the people God gives us to share our lives with. Can we be honest? Now be careful about that. I mean, be honest about you. Be careful about being too honest about other people. Have you ever been to a service where the preacher's talking about bitterness? And this has happened to me. Someone comes up and they say, I've heard that message and I've got to confess it, Jeff. I've hated you for years. (laughs) And you nod and you smile and, and they say, oh, I feel so much better now I've got that off my chest. And they wander off and you are crumpled in a heap. Utterly blessed and cursed by their admission. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about us being honest with someone about our struggles. Fourthly, vulnerability allows for prayerful partnership. Vulnerability allows for prayerful partnership. Jesus says, stay here and keep watch with me. The word watch there, the Greek word means keep awake, don't go to sleep. Now let me tell you something about this. Passover night was the night when Jews stayed up all night and watched. It echoes back to Exodus chapter 12. It was customary to keep vigil that night. And so when the guys went to Gethsemane with Jesus, they may have been thinking, right, okay, it's, it's vigil time, it's Passover night, this is what we do. He says, stay awake. But he adds to that, watch with me. Be with me in partnership, in, in prayer. And they repeatedly fall asleep. Let me ask you a question. Anyone here ever fallen asleep in church? <laughs> Few people. And if you're sitting next to someone who is heading that way right now, <laughs> feel free to minister to them. I, um, when I was a, a young pastor uh, back in, in, in England, we used to have a lovely guy in our church, Mr. Markham. He used to fall asleep every Sunday morning during my sermon. And it wasn't that was bad, but he used to snore. And I'm talking, I'm talking snoring to Olympic gold level. We, it was like a Harley Davidson being driven around the building. I thought some, a lumberjack was in the area cutting a tree down or something. And, and what would happen is that people would start to notice that he was snoring and they'd nudge each other because this was a fun thing. Christians get excited about these things. Someone snoring. It's cute. Yeah. What he used to do, this guy, he used to like to shout things out when I was preaching. You know, Amen. Praise the Lord. Yeah. So what he would do, bless his heart, he would be fast asleep. Then he'd wake up and suddenly shout something out to try and make me think he'd never been asleep. But he didn't know what I'd just said because he was asleep. One morning I was preaching, I was getting pretty excited. I was talking about spiritual warfare. He was fast asleep. The peace of God was all over him. And and I I suddenly yelled, the devil is defeated. And he woke up and he shouted out, bless his lovely name. (laughs) Everyone's thinking, Mr. Marcus, become a Satanist. This is not cool. No, he he just fell asleep. These guys fall asleep. You know the best thing you can do when someone's in trouble? Watch with them and pray with them and keep your mouth shut. Jesus doesn't say, watch and pray with me and give me a talking to. You know, that's where we get into trouble. Someone, Someone goes through a crisis and we feel the need to explain it. 
You know, sometimes just being with someone and praying for someone is enough, rather than searching around for words that are like a band-aid over a massive wound. Are we asking people to pray for us? I'm challenged about this. And, and here's a real challenge. When we say that we're going to pray for people, yeah, you'll be in my prayers. Do we forget? I do. I'm starting to make lists now. Again. Because we believe in the power of agreed prayer. I don't understand how that works. We need to be people who have prayerful partners. Vulnerability enables that. Fifthly, number five, vulnerability is not a substitute for personal spirituality. It is not a substitute for personal spirituality. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed. Let this cup be taken from me. The cup is an Old Testament metaphor for divine judgment for sin. Jesus was drinking that cup on our behalf. Not only that, these people were living under Roman occupation. The Romans had a method of execution. It was called the cup of poison. They would line up the criminals who had been condemned. They would fill a cup with hemlock and they would hand it to the first man in the line. If he chose to sip from the hemlock, he would be in agony, but he would not die. He would pass the cup down the line, and down the line, and down the line. But if he chose to drink the whole cup, he would die. But the next guys in line would live because he had drunk the cup empty. That's what Jesus did for us. He took responsibility. Yes, he wanted his friends to pray with him. But then he goes a little further and he embraces personal responsibility. Listen, folks, being vulnerable is is not just about saying, well, you do the praying and I'll just struggle on through. We need each other and we need God. Don't settle for just being in Timberline on a Sunday morning to get a a religious moment for the week. This is not enough. Know God for yourself. Walk with him through the week. Yes, share burdens with others, but don't let others replace who Jesus is in your life. It may be that you've been coming to Timberline for a while and it's time now to make a clear decision that you don't want to just sing the songs and imbibe the atmosphere, but it's time to choose To become a follower of Jesus. And I want to say to you, if that's where you're at, our prayer team will be here at the end here. We've got little booklets that explain what it means to make that choice. Come and talk to us. Grab one of these things. Take it home. But don't just cruise on the atmosphere of the group. God wants us to know him for ourselves. Finally, lastly, vulnerability should not lead to self-obsession. Vulnerability should not lead to self-obsession. Look at verse 41. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is remarkable. Jesus is on death row. But he's worried about his friends. He's looking out for them. Pray that you won't enter, may not fall into temptation. 
The danger with all this vulnerability talk is that we can get a bit self-obsessed. You ever met someone who every time you talk to them, within three minutes, they're turning the conversation back around to them? Anyone know what I'm talking about? Please stop nudging each other right now. Uh, you know, you, you, you talk for a while and they say, enough about me. What do you think about me? <laughs> Winston Churchill said, we are all worms, but I do believe that I am a glow worm. Most of us think we're glow worms. Most of us think the universe centers around us. And guess what, folks? There aren't that many people who really care. Do you want to change the world? Listen. Say stuff like, tell me more. Be interested. Don't just allow the stories of others to prompt you into your own story. And I'm telling you, and I'm talking in Christian circles as well, there aren't that many people who really want to know. And we can change things as we refuse self-obsession. We don't focus on ourselves. Jesus cared about his friends in the garden. He was fit for the journey. He was fit for life. And he was fit for death. Is it true? I think someone once said, we have not learned how to live unless we are ready to die. And in this intentional vulnerability, Jesus was able to move towards the cross. It being this 10-year anniversary, it's kind of like a Kennedy moment, isn't it, where you think back to where you were when the news started to break of 9-11. Kay and I know exactly where we were. We were on a United Airlines flight that day. We were completely oblivious to the tragedy that was unfolding. And we arrived at our destination and we were exhausted so we, we decided to take a nap. And, and suddenly our telephone rang and I answered it and so a friend said, are you okay? I said, yeah. What's going on? They said, turn on the TV. And we turned on the television and the images that will live with us forever were forming in front of us as the first tower and then the second tower came down and I put the phone back and it rang again and it was somebody else saying are you alright we know you're on a United flight and we put the phone down and it rang again and I look back on that harrowing Tuesday grateful that there was someone who wanted to call. I want to ask this question. It's a sober question. When Gethsemane comes, who's going to call you? Who are you going to call? We need to think about that and not be overwhelmed by its challenge. I've just said to Kay yesterday, 
you know, the older I get and the more people remind me of it, the more I'm determined to realize that I've got Jesus, I've got family, and I've got friends. And I'm going to invest more than ever in those three this coming year. There will come a time for me when this privilege of teaching is done. This is not the sole embodiment of who I am. And when that time comes, I'll have Jesus and family and friends. Who are we going to call? Who's going to call us? Let's pray. Lord, as we come to the end of this series, Fit for the Journey, we see an amazing picture of Jesus on the most difficult journey in the history of journeys being vulnerable he sees trouble he shares with trusted friends he's honest he seeks their prayers and tells them to pray for themselves we pause Lord and we want to do two things in our prayers we we want to thank you for those in our lives who would call us we bring them to mind now thank you for them help us to invest in those people without self-obsession help us to give ourselves if we find ourselves struggling to think of who we would call or who would call us Lord begin to help us to build intentionally friendships that will last healthy friendships And wherever it is, Lord, that we find ourselves asleep today, help us to wake up. We've been talking, Father, about intentional vulnerability. Some of us help us to intentionally make ourselves vulnerable to others that we trust. But in other areas, Lord, where we're just cruising Would you sharpen our focus this week that we might live decisively in your grace? Why don't we take a few seconds right now to just tell Jesus whatever we'd like to tell him. So Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sit up together, shall we? We have a real treat now. We are going to receive our offering. Uh, As we always say, thank you for your faithfulness in giving. Please prepare for that right now. If you're a guest, you don't have to give. Just pop that connection card in the offering plate. As it goes around, I want to ask us to remain seated and let's begin to receive the offering. And a real treat for us today, because our friend Dave Beagle is back with us and he is going to minister to us as we minister to the Lord in our giving. So let's enjoy that. Let's go ahead and begin to receive.
you know what, Dave? I, I just sensed they liked it. And, uh, you know, uh, just as we remain standing for a moment, just a couple of things. What we've just experienced was not only just fantastic. You know, I talked about 10,000 hours of practice. I don't know how many hundreds or thousands of hours that took. I know, I know Dave didn't just pick up the guitar and make that happen. It's a living parable of us living intentionally, decisively this week. You can, uh, you'll be pleased to know that you can take Dave home with you. His CDs are uh, out on the tables on the mall. Before we pray, there's one other thing I just want to say, particularly in this service. Because as we all enjoyed... Uh, Dave and Tom just now there may have been one or two folks in our, in our lovely deaf and hard of hearing group who were not quite able to appreciate that as we could and that can be a moment of almost exclusion and I want us just to take a moment to honour our wonderful signers and the, the ministry that they have thank God for you and thank God for our deaf and hard of hearing community we bless you So, Lord, send us out now. Go with us as we intentionally do life. Thank you that this is not left to us, but you go with us. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go forth and enjoy a beautiful September day in Colorado. Our prayer team are here. If we can pray with you, we'd love to do that.